I feel like that John Cicada song is how Hilton feels about me in the pinball world, everybody. But welcome to episode like 200 and I think 78 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm starting to lose track myself. Um, happy, happy Friday, everybody. I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm coming off of like a sugar overdose from Halloween. Um, but on this episode, we're going to talk about what's going on in the pinball world as we always do. Um, I'm happy to report that Mr. Ben Heck will be joining the show. I'm going to be interviewing him uh, Sunday evening, so we will get that for you next week. I can't wait to have Ben back uh, on Canada's Pinball Podcast. So here's what I want to do on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. We're going to do a little bit of housekeeping, go over some of the news items happening in the pinball world, uh, and then I want to read some of your emails, and then I want to close out the show with a longer email I got. That was very thought-provoking, and I want to share it with you on this show. How does that sound for a Friday edition going into your weekend Canada's Pinball Podcast? All right, let's start out with Spooky Pinball. So, Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle is finally going into boxes and making its way into the homes of consumers. And we congratulate everyone who has worked on this game to get the game into boxes and into the hands of the pinheads out there who have been waiting for this game. We, we always, we always will celebrate the moment in which a pinball company delivers what they promise and sends people the games they pay for. That is always what we want to see on this show. Um, I have been following the thread, and I think what people have been asking for uh, for this game is some decent video footage of the game itself. And maybe Chuck uh, should make a call over to Jack Danger and have him do a uh, streaming of the game now that it feels like it's, it's ready to go. And the code is further along. And it could be a good time to send people um, you know, out to Spooky Pinball to record this game and, and let people see what it plays like. But here's the thing. I still don't think you can ever, ever, ever fully know that you want to buy a pinball machine until you actually flip it. I, I really don't think you'll ever get enough information from a stream or from artwork or from any video for that for that matter uh, that will give you definitively the info you need to pull the trigger. And we all know that most people buy their games um, without playing them first. And well, not most people, but the LE owners. And you have to consider this game a little bit of an LE. There's only going to be 500. So for people overseas in Europe, they are never going to get a chance to play one uh, before they have to buy one. Right? So someone has to take the first plunge, and then maybe once someone gets one in England and Australia and New Zealand and wherever pinball is played globally, uh, then you have to go find one either in a collector's home or on location before you uh, can figure out if you want it or not. But look, I still think Spooky should put together better video for people to at least see the game in a better light uh, for those people who want video before making a decision on the game. But I do recommend playing the game first because I'm still hearing that the shots are really tight on this game. Not Houdini crazy tight, but still tight enough uh, to the point where people will make the excuse that it makes me a better player. That's what pinball is supposed to do. Make you better. <laughs> um, all right, so that's what's happening at Spooky. Uh, Jersey Jack Pinball. Another company, which November, what, November 2nd right now, they are getting their games out the door as well. I am seeing more and more Pirates of the Caribbean unboxings, and that is another good thing. I still can't believe that it's November of 2018 and Pirates of the Caribbean is just trickling out. Uh, but, but, if you read the thread and you read about people who are unboxing Pirates of the Caribbean, I think you'll see one thing. I think you will see that people are enjoying the game, but I also think you're going to see a lot of people, and look, there, ha look, there hasn't been many that have, have been shipped yet. People are having a lot of quality control issues with the game. And this is why Stern Pinball probably doesn't try to put tons of new engineered mechs into their games because that seems to be the issue is these things don't feel like 
they are traveling well from JJP factory to people's homes without stuff happening. And you have to ask the question, how well were these games quality controlled uh, before they went on the line? And will Jersey Jack uh, get these games a little bit more bulletproof? Because we all know this. When you spend this kind of money, I mean, we were talking $9,500 on a Pirates of the Caribbean um, limited edition. You spend that much money. And the last thing you want to do when you plug in your new game is have to lift the glass off it and start trying to fix stuff. Nobody likes a brand new toy that breaks or has issues, uh, you know, right upon delivery of the game. Okay, so hopefully, hopefully that won't be an issue for long. Hopefully, some of the feedback they get from the uh, inaugural owners will make its way back to JJP, and and this game will be more rock solid moving forward. All right, I think that's fair. I'm not going to say anything else about the game. Um, I'm just happy they're getting to people who paid for them. All right, all right. What else is going on? We covered Spooky. We covered JJP. Shall we go over... I'm going to hold off on Stern. Let's go to Oktoberfest. So, American Pinball. They've weathered the storm of Monkeygate 2018. We will talk more about that with Ben Heck. Um, I'm here to tell you that I don't think Normal is coming on the show. And I also never got answers to my emails that I sent to him. I sent, well, and I sent one email with questions and he said he would answer them and then he never did. Um, so look, I know I'm just a puny little pinball podcast. I know I only have around 1,500 people who listen to this show. I mean, that's, that's tiny in comparison to other podcasts that are out there, but it's a decent amount of pinball collectors who do listen to this show. And my whole thing is this. I'm not going to go off and personally attack anybody. If he's busy, he's busy. But here's the thing. If you're going to say you're going to do something and you give me a date by which I can expect answers or you tell me you'll come on the show after Expo and then you don't and you go silent and you don't respond... Um, you know, there's nothing I can do than say, I think you shouldn't tell me what you're going to do if you're not going to do it. Just do it. I mean, I don't care if this guy's like, Chris, I'm never coming on the show. That's cool. I respect that. But just don't tell me you're going to do something and then not do it. Um, what's going to happen if you do that? Well, nothing much, but I also think it help, It hurts them. I, I, I think nothing comes of it if they bail on, on either coming on the show or just answering my questions. And let me, let me tell you guys, the questions I had of them were just, you know, are you guys going to re, um, reassess the art package on Houdini? And I, I, at this point, I didn't even see or realize there was Monkey Gate. So I was just asking them questions like, you know, are you going to declutter the playfield art a little bit? Are you going to change Otto's 3D sculpted head so it looks more like Otto? Are you going to remove the mustache from the woman on the right plastic because it looks really strange? Like stuff like that. Like what what are you going to do about the animations between now and uh, ship date, right? Are you going to be able to significantly improve what the animations are on the screen? And I think these are fair questions because people are being asked to give their money for Oktoberfest right now. Uh, I still can't help but laugh that Oktoberfest 2018 shipping in January of 2019. I, I really want to talk to him about the marketing. And the other thing that he wanted to talk to me about was the marketing of American Pinball Games and also moving forward what kinds of themes and titles uh, would be good for American Pinball to think about as they make future machines because look I'm just going to say it one more time this is not a theme that anybody wants can we be honest with ourselves nobody would write down if you could write down your top two themes that you would love to see come out in 2018, 2019. If we, if we sampled everybody in the pinball world, I'm talking if you took 5,000 pinball buyers and you said, give me five themes that you would want to see in 2018, 2019. I don't think anybody 
would write Oktoberfest or Pirates of the Caribbean and put it into that hat, all right? And so that's just where we're at. And I think because theme matters so much, I really think this game is going to struggle. I do. I, I, I literally, how do you wake up tomorrow when you can buy a gorgeous Monster Bash remake where you know Monsters is around the corner? You know, you know, like Pirates of the Caribbean is shipping. How do you wake up out of those three titles and say, you know, no, no, I, I'm going to pass. I think it's Oktoberfest. I really think that's the one for me. You know, I, I just don't think you've seen enough to bump it to the top of your list. And so I would love to have them come on and talk about um, the positive changes they're going to make to the game and what they're going to do with the feedback they got from Expo. Okay? The, 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 the floor is theirs if they would like it. All right. All right. So we've covered off on American Pinball, Spooky, um, JJP, Monster Bash Remake. Not much to say. I, I Again, th- you know, it's almost like when I'm not talking about a game that usually means things are going really well. Uh, there's not a lot to discuss other than I think people are in love with this game. And I think every day, more and more Monster Bash Remake LEs are going to be selling. And I would not be surprised if this game sells all 1250 uh, by the end of the year. Especially if Monsters is a little underwhelming. All right? All right. Let's talk now about Stern. Okay, because Stern is where the the rest of the action is happening. Now, for some reason, no matter what happens over the last few weeks, uh, everyone is still obsessed with complaining about the Beatles. And look, I'm going to go back to it in a little bit, but there is nothing I can do other than watch all of you get so heated and so bent out of shape about the Beatles title. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about this when I read the email um, from a very, very passionate pinhead he talks a lot about why he thinks Stern is backed up into the corner a little bit with the Beatles title. Um, but before the Beatles, we have to talk about Bill and Ted's excellent adventure pinball or excellent pinball adventure. So if you haven't seen it already, there is a picture that leaked of Bill and Ted's excellent pinball adventure and it's got the Stern logo in the upper left and the sort of like the Stern animated pinball uh, near the Bill and Ted logo. And people were sending this to me today saying, look at this. And then Christopher Franchi chimed in and said, oh my God, how long till this is deleted? It's going to open up a can of worms. And, and apparently it, it, it first appeared on the Dead Flip Facebook page. And so I just want to say that while this might make sense because Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is being rebooted for 2019. So there's a new movie coming out, the third one in 2019. And it definitely hits the demographic for the pinball buyer. I mean, this this movie is a classic. Um, I think a lot of people love Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And it's the fun, campy you know, great music, great storyline, perfect kind of throwback theme for a pinball adventure. So I, I look, so that's me saying, yes, I think Bill and Ted's excellent pinball adventure would make a great game. Do I think that this image is a leak from Stern that kind of confirms it's in the works? No, it absolutely not. I do not think this thing is any way, shape, or form from Stern. It is so easy to create this. It is so easy to take the Bill and Ted's logo and make this thing that was being passed around. I think people are just trolling the pinball community. Do you know how easy it is to give anyone with any graphic design skills um, the Stern logo and that sort of like, and, and get them to create pinball versions of iconic classic like movies and TV shows, you know, Big Pinball Trouble in Little China. It'd be so easy to do that stuff. I mean, not hard at all. So I just think this was uh, Jack Danger and and the people at Stern just trolling, trolling the pinball world. All right, all right. Let's go back to Beatles for a little bit because I I think some of you out there 
probably think I'm being a little too soft on this game. Like, I'm not screaming from the rooftops about Beatles pinball. And here's what I want to do to, to even things out. Because part of me doesn't really care about this theme, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why I'm not overly upset or distraught by what Stern showed. I also just think it's a cool-looking game for that's more accessible for many people to play. And, and I think that variety is necessary in pinball. Um, but, but I'll say this. I read a couple stories about this pinball machine in the press. And there was one in the Chicago Sun-Times, and there was one in the Las Vegas Review-Journal about Joe Kamikow being behind this machine. And so the headline in the Chicago Sun-Times was, First ever Beatles pinball game could be priciest machine of all time. Now, isn't that an incredibly dramatic headline? But what's so weird about this story is that they don't say what the price is. Lower in the story, they do talk about how Batman Super LE was $15,000 and how Magic Girl, if you can consider that a real pinball machine, was $16,000. Alright, and normally Stern's range from six dollars to $9,000. So, why does the, that headline say that? Can I even speak tonight? Are you hearing me? I feel like I'm like losing it. Why would this headline talk about it being the priciest machine of all time? Did they tell the reporter off the record what it would be? But here's the thing about this game. If you read this story, and you read the way Stern is talking about the Beatles pinball machine, here's the issue I have. And again, I don't have an issue with the game. But I do have an issue with them hyping this thing as already being a collectible. Like, literally. It's like, that is like their line, and they're sticking to it. No matter what... This game is, no matter what the design is, no matter what the code is, no matter what the demand is, they are prematurely, I think, saying and hyping this game as being an instant collectible. And as you all know, I don't think something is an instant collectible. I think things become collectible because there's a demand to collect it. And if the demand is there, then it will be collected. In by by the hundreds, and people have said this: like, why has like Iron Maiden LE sold out so quickly, but Beatles, it's not you know sold out. But the thing is, this Beatles is not for sale yet. So we we will find out. I think next week, Beatles pricing will be revealed. And the big question still remains: what is the pricing of the game? Did Stern did Stern purposely leak through their distributors? a variety of prices to then read what people's feedback is and then price it accordingly. That seems like a somewhat smart thing to do, right? They could simply float suggestions by distributors, right? Manufacturers suggested retail price and then let those distributors, you know, deliver the news to some of their customers, and then what happens? It's up on Pinside. My distributor told me 50000 for the diamond. Mine told me twenty-five. Mine told me this. Mine told me that. And that's what we've been doing. Think about it. All of you, for the last two weeks, you've been on Stern's payroll, giving them 100% free, 100% free focus groups, and they don't even have to pay for it. Normally... Companies have to pay for things like this, but they can just listen to all you suckers, give it to them for free. And maybe your whining and moaning and complaining will actually have an impact on the price. So that could be a good thing. Now, I don't know what the final price of this game is going to be. It's a little strange because in the Joe Kamikow story in the, um, in the Las Vegas Review Journal, he talks about how it's going to be less than $10,000. Now, he doesn't say that's, that all three editions are going to be less than $10,000, but he does say it will be less than that, which makes it strange for him to say less than $10,000 in his story, and yet the Chicago Sun-Times story says it could be the priciest machine of all time. 
But here's what I found was kind of ridiculous. And, and look, I get why they did this. This is what I do for a living. I'm in PR. It's like somebody set up this story. Somebody called the Chicago Sun-Times and said the first Beatles pinball machine ever is being made by us. And we love to do a story. All right. But I, here's what I want to read for you. Right. So um, Gary Stern is quoted in the article. And he says, it's a title of a lifetime. I'm 73, and I may need to retire after this one. It's the culmination of my career, said Stern. The culmination, Gary? The culmination of Stern Pinball's 30-plus years of making pinball is reskinning Sea Witch? I mean, when I read that, I was like, are you kidding me, Gary? This is not the culmination of pinball. This, is, this game does not represent everything you know up to this point. You're going to retire after Beatles because you've maybe you, you, you consider this to be doing it all? Like we got the impossible license that no one else could ever get? Like this was the white whale of pinball? I, I I just I couldn't help but chuckle when I read that because I don't think this game comes anywhere close to being the culmination of everything Stern knows to date. And Gary, you're not going to retire. You know why you're not going to retire, Gary? Why would you retire now when you've got hundreds, if not thousands of suckers who will buy games from you before they even see it? Before they even play it, you can sell someone a $9,000 product. As long as that's going on, there's no way, my friend, you're going to retire. All right? All right. So the story just goes on to talk about how they got the license. And at the end, um, this is the final quote from Gary. He says, this is special. It's definitely a collectible. I mean, it's the Beatles. Are you kidding? Question mark? Stern said. All right. So Stern is banking on it. He's banking on it. So look, I don't think um, this is like an instant collectible per se. I think the market for this game is untested. I think we're going to see what that market is. I think they're going to sell well, though. I really do. I don't think this game is going to have as many issues as people think. Because I think the one thing people are underestimating is the desire that people have to put a game in their home that's a little bit easier. I, I, I Literally... I get that you enthusiasts don't like this, and I get why you're mad, and I get why some of you think that this was a colossal mistake to take one of the biggest properties of all time and not give it you know, all of the innovation and capabilities you could give it. Instead, you reskin something from yesteryears, and then you put it in a modern cabinet, which is making people... Uh, you know, kind of, it's kind of like, wait, what's going on? Like, why is Stern saying this is a throwback to what a game would look like in the 1960s if the Beatles had received a pinball machine? Then why are they putting it inside a 2018 cabinet? And that's a very good question. And I don't have an answer to that question. And it kind of does go against um, going all in on making it more throwback. And I don't know why other than the answer that we all know is the answer. It's cheaper to do it that way. Are you finally waking up to the fact that Stern knows how to make a profit and knows how to use the parts inside the factory as many times as they can and that's how they stay in business? Hello, people. Wake up. That's how companies like this stay in business. All right. All right. All right. So that's the Beatles pinball. I'm sure more of your butts will be hurt as the weekend goes on. Let me read some of my user emails that I received from you guys. Thank you so much. And I think I got another voice email too. Let me um let me just put this one in. This is from our friend of the show. Let's see. Hold on everybody. This is from our friend Matthew again. It has a audio Matthew S. Thank you Matthew. Let's air it right now. 
Hey, Canada, just listened to 277 on my drive home. Sitting in my car, just going to give you a couple quick thoughts. Uh, I don't want to do this inside because my wife's going to think I'm insane talking into a phone about a podcast about pinball commentary. Uh, although she has listened to a couple of your episodes and she thinks it's pretty funny, but she also doesn't get why everyone's so worked up about the smallest of things. Uh, the Beatles pinball release was absolutely one of the craziest things I've ever seen on Pinside. The absolute insanity uh, about this machine that it wasn't what people wanted. Just an insane number of posts. I thought it was fine. I mean, I'll judge when I play it. I'm not going to buy it anyway, but I just want a good pinball machine to play. People lost their minds. That thread about, you know, how bad is the Beatles selling? Uh, people are taking this such perverse joy uh, in any perceived failings of this industry by the people who claim to love it the most is uh, I don't even know what to tell you about it, how to describe it in some sort of rational terms. I work at a comic book website. I do editing. I do, I'm into niche culture about the strangest things, about collectibles. And everyone has this little clicky attitude, and they, they try to you know tear down different things for different reasons. But pinball, absolute, completely different story. The uh, People don't understand. You're trying to hit on it, but people don't get what the Beatles is. More importantly, they don't understand the impact the Beatles will have on Stern. They treat this like it's the 2017 Farmer's Almanac that once the year turns, this thing's dead in the water. It's going to be dumped by the tub into the recycle bins. Stern can have the Beatles for sale at retail for five years. You know what's going to be? It's going to be showing up in places that pinball uh, people don't think about. It's going to be in the music magazines. It's going to be in the Beatle collector's books. It's going to be in the Sky Mall magazine where some business guy who doesn't give a, a rat's ass about pinball is going to be flipping through and he's going to say, huh, the Beatles pinball by Stern. Geez, that looks kind of cool. I, yeah, you know what? I, I have a friend. I'm going to buy him that instead of buying him, you know, a $5,000 bottle of wine for Christmas. What a great surprise this is going to be. He doesn't care if it came out three months ago or, or a year ago. That's still going to get them constant uh, publicity, something they can put in the catalogs, the trade magazines, month after month. As long as it's available, it's going to be getting Stern Press. I don't know. People, I don't know. These things are evergreen, man. You can sell them forever and a day as long as they're new. I mean, they're not making WWE crap, you know, with wrestlers who aren't on the, the bill anymore or, or stupid layouts. This is just a, a quality machine that's going to be simple. That guy who's sitting in first class who paid, you know, three grand for his airline ticket overseas on a business trip. And he's looking at that. He's going to be like, oh, seven grand. That's awesome. Pinball. I didn't even know they still made them. That's who they're targeting. They don't give an ass about who's on Pinside complaining about this or that. Speaking of Pinside, I love your commentary because you're detached from it. Yeah, you've been banned. But let me tell you, I go on, I read, I try to be upbeat. You know, I post in the positive threads, uh, the pinball projects group, you know, trying to find people, project machines and stuff. But the culture of Pinside is completely, I don't know how else to describe it except for a den of thieves. Not saying these people are criminals, but I'm saying they have their own code of honor. I've seen people who post about, oh, I called this guy, He, he this old guy uh, posted on Craigslist, with a uh, scared stiff machine that he's had in his basement since his kids were born. And they they put 10 plays on and he put it up for $200, but you had to take it out. And I called him and he said, great, you know, you can have it. And then he called back and said, I'm sorry. Someone called and said, this thing's worth, you know, three, four grand. And I, you know, I, I you know, I can't just sell it for, for pennies on the dollar and they lose their minds. You honor the agreement, you honor this, you honor that. And then you have guys who buy a machine on pin side and they're like, they buy the machine the same day. They, they list it back on Pinside for hundreds of dollars more than they paid for it. And it's just this bizarre cutthroat, you know, we're going to one-up each other. The threads, I mean, I don't even know why they bother having those little uh, on-fire threads because every, every thread's on fire. Hundreds of posts regurgitating the same nonsense over and over. It's depressing, man. You know, I want to go on. I want to talk pinball with people who love pinball. I don't want to see these freaking flame wars. I mean, listen, dude, I own a water world. I'm going to be honest with you. My whole collection was paid for by buying EMs and repairing them and selling them. And I've made enough that I bought, you know, five or six machines for my basement. So when I have people come over, we have something to play and people tend to love it. But, you know, I, I do the lower class games. Waterworld, I happen to like it. You know, I, I enjoy the different story threads. I have customized the rules a little bit. So it's a little more challenging to get multi-ball. I enjoy it. People come into the Waterworld Club thread 
oh, you know, this game sucks, the rules stink, the code stinks, the shot stinks, the graphics stinks, the movies, the movie's all right, which shows, you know, judge a character right there. But they, they, they think they can do anything. There's these clicks. If you see a new thread, if I posted something saying, you know, new theme announced, this or that, you, you're going to see the same 15, 20 people posting over and over and over, commenting on each other's threads, th- making themselves think they, you know, we make a damn, we're important. It's just a big old circle jerk sometimes. And there are good people on there. We just stay away from the threads that, you know, they just go nowhere. Everything's a negative at this point. You could expect any anything to be uh, posted. Stern could come out with a machine. I don't know. They could do the, you know, they already did the Avengers. They already did X-Men. I don't know. I don't read many Marvel comics anymore. But they could come out with a brand new superhero title. They could sell for three grand with ten grand worth of stuff in it. You know, you can lean up against it. It'll vibrate your crotch. It'll pleasure you. It'll give you dollar bills when you need money. And people would still bitch and moan about some perceived slight that it didn't appeal to them. And they're going to take so much offense at it. I don't know, man. You know, I, I try, I've, I've drained so many threads on Pinside that it, it really is getting a little ridiculous why I even go sometimes. But, you know, I enjoy some of the certain particular threads, so I still go. And I have met some decent people through it. You know, last thing, and I know this is long, so you can edit it or just throw it all away. I don't really care. I just wanted to share my thoughts with you. Was uh, traveling. You say you don't play pinball uh, when you travel. and I, That's the first thing I do. You know, we traveled out to see family somewhere. I look up a pinball parlor. We go out, just me and the wife. The ki- you know, we leave kids with relatives or something. Go out, find these pinball parlors, hang out with people, have a good time, have some drinks. Uh, you know, ask the locals where, where the next place to go is. It's a great introduction if you don't know anyone in the area or, you know, something funky like that. I always enjoy looking at those out of the whole place, out of the way places uh, for those pinball machines and the people who play them. Most people who play pinball are awesome. I love meeting them in leagues and stuff, you know, as long as they don't go on pin side and uh, lose their effing minds over every little thing. Another great episode, bud. Enjoying it. Take it easy. Wow, that Matthew, that wasn't just some feedback. That was like a podcast in itself. Um, thank you for for all of that. Um, where to begin? First of all, I do I do kind of like the Waterworld movie. There's something about that movie that is just enjoyable in in all of its campy badness. At the same time, um, I I wanted to do something in my marketing career once where I wanted to convince Kevin Costner to do a sequel to Waterworld and I was going to get a brand to offer to pay him in a million dollars of dirt, right? And they didn't get it. They didn't get why we would pay him in dirt. Um, Anyway, look, I agree with you about Beatles not having to just like sell out immediately. I totally agree that there is this huge world out there of potential buyers for a machine like this that the pin side people just don't understand and don't get. They think that if Cointaker, Game Exchange, and you know Trent are not selling this thing, then it's not going to sell at all. Uh, and and you know, and I think you know, Iceman's post was the perfect example of the pin side hyper user who simply thinks that because his feelings are all that matter in in terms of a pin success, right? Like if Iceman's not going to buy it, then no one's going to buy it. If Iceman's distributor's calling me up, then the game sales are going to be terrible. And I and I think you're right. This machine uh, will be going after a little bit of a different target. But also, look, it's also going to be a little bit challenging because as we've seen before, I also don't think Pinball Machine is something that someone is just going to see in a magazine and then go buy. I think there's going to they're going to there's going to have to be a little bit of like stern guessed a little bit and got it right that there's an expandable buyer base here. Um and I also think there's going to be have to be a little bit of like flexibility from the diehard pinball people on pin side and the pinball enthusiasts and just give stern a break for making something a little bit different this time. Don't they deserve to make a little bit of variety? And that's the thing that kills me. If Stern went away tomorrow, all of these people would be crying and complaining and begging them to come back. And we know that would be the case. All right. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for giving me an audio bit of feedback. For you guys out there, I mean, that's fun. You guys should... You guys should consider doing that more often. Now, keep it within a certain limit, all right? I can't air everyone's, like, 10-minute grievances with me, but I will do my best 
to get you guys out there in the world. All right, I got an email from, let's see. All right, here we go. Um, do, 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 Monster Bash from Harry Reamer. Chris, I played Monster Bash extensively at Expo, and Zach and Greg are 100% right. The game is stunning. The RGB light show is gorgeous. The animations are incredible. The details on the sculpts are so much better than the original. Anyone who was on the fence about buying Monster Bash was pushed off after playing it. I am starting to believe Monster Bash LE is sold out. Such a work of art, Harry. Well, Harry, thank you. And, you know, Harry played it. Harry stood over it. And I think that's the key here, too, is everyone I know who was at Expo is gushing about this game. All right. So I I do. I do think they're going to possibly sell out. All right. I got an email from Mark Felt. The score, it says, you are banned by all the pinball manufacturers. Consider it a badge of honor. By the way, they all listen to you. So be the Howard Stern of pinball and embrace the fact that you are the only voice of honesty out there that happens to be immensely entertaining with a ton of fans and followers. Beatles filled my diaper was hysterical. You are just the one that says out loud what the pinball community is thinking. Stern is just listening to Canada and will be testing the upper price limits on Beatles with zero downside. And all 1,964 will sell out. They talk to their distributors worldwide and gauge interest level before they announce things to the public. Note, sell out does not mean that all customers will have bought them. It does mean that all distributors have bought them. Ever think how a distributor might just want to put away a new inbox Diamond Beetles for a few years? Spooky will just keep grinding along because their overhead structure is low and they don't have to make many games. They are still a proven option for the homebrew pinball designers that consider selling 200 a success. Chicago Gaming Company is just doing a cash grab. Look at their website. They make a ton of coin-operated equipment. If they never remake another pinball after Monster Bash, they will be in business forever. But they will milk it as long as they can. Smart veteran coin-op guys. AP is a supplier to the industry. If Oktoberfest is a disaster, they will just continue to be supplying to other companies. Some financial exposure, but not enough to take them down. Jersey Jack is fucked. Not an if, but when, as to bankruptcy. Remember, billionaire investor can let JJP go bankrupt and walk away with whatever losses, leaving millions in debt. The people that really got screwed are the suppliers. No supplier should be extending credit terms to JJP at this point. And good luck getting parts and support. Well, Mark, thank you. You kind of covered it all. Um, Look, I'm glad you like the show. I do think that the pinball manufacturers listen to the show just probably to be entertained, uh, if anything. Uh, And I also think, you know, we do say stuff that taps into, I think, is a little bit more about what people are thinking but don't always want to say. I do think that the Beatles will be fine. Uh, Again, I don't think it has to be like an overnight success. To, to be successful. Uh, I don't think Chicago Gaming Company is doing a cash grab. I'll tell you why. If they were just trying to cash grab remake, they simply would just remake the game from, from 20 years ago. They wouldn't go through all the trouble to redo the dots. They wouldn't go through the trouble to redo the sculpts. They simply would just make a new Monster Bash and charge you you know, five dollars $6,000 for it and sell a ton of them. Instead, I think they really care to create a legacy around these remakes and making them better than the originals. Um, And if American Pinball wants to just be in business to supply boards to the rest of the industry and make games like Oktoberfest, that's great. But again, I don't think they're going to create much of a legacy and sell many games. Uh, And I don't think there's any room for mediocre games anymore. I just don't. All right. I got an email from Jeff Patterson. As you know, Jeff is the wonderful man who provides us with This Week in Pinball which without Jeff's site, more and more of us 
would be forced to go on Pinside and 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 find our news out there. We, again, I. I I think Jeff has done the greatest service to the hobby because he allows us to get our news without having Crazy Levy and Iceman punching us in the face as we're trying to find the news. And that I think that's great. So Jeff says, dude, you are exactly the obsessed pinball person you describe on the podcast. It's an addictive hobby. Don't beat yourself up about that. New font is coming on This Week in Pinball. A website facelift is coming before the end of the year. Hope all is well. Well, Jeff, look, obsessed, a little bit obsessed. I Here's the difference. Is my obsession with pinball is a little bit different than I think the people on the forum. I'm not obsessed. Obsessed is really extreme. I do not think about pinball every single day. I do not think about pinball when I'm at work all day long. There are some days I do, but I don't do it all day long. I'm not, and I'm also not like spending an inordinate amount of my money on pinball. I'm not traveling to shows. If I was obsessed with pinball, because obsession has like sort of like a, a connection to addiction. I would have gone to Expo. I would have gone to like, you know, to, to like Pittsburgh. I would have gone to like the show up in Boston. I'm not obsessed. I'll tell you why I'm not obsessed too. There are so many bars within a 20-minute walking distance from me and places to play pinball, and I don't go, all right? I don't go. I'd rather sit home and watch, you know, a, a, a Midsummer Murders on Netflix than walk to Modern Pinball and play Deadpool, all right? That's just me. I like Netflix. I like that show. It's campy or Kath and Kim. Look at me, look at me, look at me. I, I would rather watch those shows, all right? Um, but we look forward to the new site coming, Jeff. I got an email from Rick Osborne. Hey, Chris, just smoking a bowl and then heading back out to my bar to play NASCAR pinball. Man, got that last week in a trade for my Terminator 2. There's... Um, the Star Wars hyperspace looping shot implemented years earlier with way cooler World Under Glass implementation, plus the great ramps, diverters, and bash toy. Much more value than a current Stern offering. Anyways, always a treat when you have a new podcast. I'm one of the listeners who does enjoy you calling out Pinsiders as warranted. Rick, who goes by POMC on Pinside. Well, Rick, thank you. I won't reveal to the authorities about your smoking. Um, I'm glad that you were enjoying NASCAR. And yes, I think a lot of the older games have way more in them. And some of the mechs that we're even applauding now as being innovative are really things that were done 20 years ago. And look, all that matters is you're playing pinball and you're having fun. All right? All right. Thank you, Rick. Um, I'm probably going to read that longer email I got on another day. I don't want this podcast to be too long. I actually got, I want to read this one. This is from Kimmy Chatfield. And she writes, Hi, Chris. Totally agree with your podcast. We cannot let a few people dictate what is offensive or not offensive. The makers of Oktoberfest decided on the artwork they would like on the back glass, and we should allow artistic creativity. Coming from a woman's standpoint, and a woman that was sexually assaulted, I see nothing in that monkey or his ass touching which triggers memories of sexual assault. The monkey is an animal, and I have had many animals, such as dogs and cats, smell my privates and hump my leg. Never did I associate the actions of these animals as sexual assault. We should never suppress artistic creativity. I'm a huge fan of Leonardo da Vinci and many Renaissance artists. They had the freedom to create nude portraits and sculptures, some in erotic positions. Just imagine the treasures that would not have been created if these artists bowed down to a few people who were offended. If you are offended by art, nudity, or erotic scenes, you have the right not to look at the so-called offensive art or not play games with offensive art. But no one has the right to deny others just because you are offended. Sincerely, Kimmy, 50-year-old Asian woman. Kimmy, thank you. I think you put it so eloquently what I was trying to say, is that the freedom and people's rights to play a game or not, 
to put the artistic creativity they want or not on a pinball machine needs to be defended above all cost. And I will extend, Kimmy, if you would like to come on the show and talk about this a little bit more, I would love to have you on. I always want to have um, a more diverse audience talk about pinball. And the fact that, you know, you are the, you know, not the stereotypical pinball player. I would love to talk to you about how you got into the hobby and what your thoughts are, because I think we hear so much of it from just one side. So Kimmy, thank you um, for that note. And, and I couldn't agree more with how you put it. Uh, I got an email from, let's see, from my cake company. I'm trying to make a Wreck-It Ralph cake for my wedding. You guys want to talk about the price of toppers. To make a custom Wreck-It Ralph cake that looks like the building in Wreck-It Ralph, they want me to pay 1600 bucks. I don't know. I don't know if that's worth it. What do you think? Email me at canadapinball at gmail.com. Um, the Beatles. I got an email that says, don't use my info on the air. And it says, hi, Chris. Love the show as always. I've heard from two distributors that I trust that Stern 40 packs have sold out already. You were right on the money. And this is about Beatles. So is it selling well? Is it not? I hope so. I hope they, you know, they stay in business. Maybe I'll read a little bit of the email I was going to read to you guys. All right. You know what? I don't feel like doing it. And I'll tell you why. Because I got to feed Bubba and there's a lot here. This is going to be its own show. It's going to be its own show. I've lied to you people. I didn't deliver everything I was supposed to deliver on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. Don't crucify me. I am happy to get you something at least to to chew on over the weekend. Anything else that I've missed that's been going on in the hobby? Oh, yeah. Here's a little thing to chew on. With everyone complaining about sexual harassment and monkeys grabbing ass, did you know that there's a song on Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle that the lyrics are all about Alice Cooper having sex with a dead woman? All right, so that's on there. Is that offensive? If you listen to the lyrics of that song, um, I want to give Ryan C at Head to Head Pinball credit for pointing that out because unlike Ryan, I don't listen to Alice Cooper's songs and I don't dive too deep into anything uh, that he sings. So that's all Ryan from Head to Head Pinball. Uh, so we want to give him credit for that. But I'm not offended by that. I'm just offended by Alice Cooper music in general because I think it sucks. I mean, that's just me. I, you might like it. I just I, I just don't think it's that good. I mean, I like that genre. I Look, I think that Rob Zombie music is so much better than Alice Cooper music. I, I drive all the time to Rob Zombie music playing. It kicks ass. I just I think Alice Cooper... Uh, I don't know, just between us, is kind of fucking corny. I feel like he has to do all that shtick because he's not really good musically. You know the other band that I think is like that a little bit? I'm going to be honest. Kiss. Like, I feel like the bands like that have to put on such of like a, a costume and an act are doing it because, I don't know, I don't think the music's the best. Um, anyway, what else is going on? Did you see The Magic Girl? For sale for $14,000. Uh, I think this is Scott's game. My friend Scott over there in Seattle. The guy who actually helped me get mine working. Because his code was unlocked. But he's trying to sell the Zidware Magic Girl for fourteen grand, And I think that just goes to show how far that game has fallen. Uh, that's $9,000 less than I paid for it. I actually lucked out by being able to get rid of mine for twenty grand. I think I, I dodged a bullet. Uh, and, you know... Mike, uh, not Mike, Wayne over in Australia is still trying to sell us for $25,000. I love it. I love Wayne's guy is listed for $11,000 more. Um, I think everyone realizes now that how do you even price a magic girl? Like how do you even consider it worth anything? Here's the thing I'll say though. If Deep Root Pinball did not develop, if John Papaduke never found a new home and those were the only like 18 or 20 machines out there in the world, I think those games would have held their value in their broken state easily. Easily. One of the most beautiful, sexy pinball machines of all time. Doesn't really work, but there's a story behind it. It would easily have been a conversation starter. But if Deep Root Pinball makes a working magic girl, uh, you know, who wants it? But 
here's the thing. If they make a working Magic Girl and they don't use any Zombietti's artwork and it's like it's like Magic Girl next door and it's not really the Magic Girl you thought or you want it, I, I don't know. Maybe those games do have a little bit of a novelty value. But as someone who owned Magic Girl, I can tell you, you better have 10 other working pinball machines next to it because it's no fun to flip. It's just fun to look at, right? It's kind of like having sex with someone with your clothes, all your clothes still on. That's what it feels like playing Magic Girl. Everyone, have a great weekend. I have to feed Bubba. Thank you, all of you who listen to this show and write in and give me your feedback. As you see, I will read your your commentary to the world. Um, I do think that we all should be a little bit more positive at times. And again, I think we need to give Stern a little bit of credit. I think that the lashings they take by some of those people on Pinside is uncalled for. And I don't need to know much more than the fact that a lot of those men who hyperpost, they're just like really like angry, sad, lonely people right now. Like you have to be like angry in life to get super, super angry about a pinball machine that you're not even going to buy. And I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, why are people so upset? Like, down in their basements, not hanging out with their kids, not hanging out with their wives. They're down in the basement, typing away, like, fighting each other. Like, it's so stupid. It's fucking stupid. Anyway, have a good weekend, everybody. Don't be lonely. Don't spend too much time on Pinside. And like I said, go to the gym for every day you want to go on Pinside. You should have to Earn your pinside hours with push-ups and pull-ups. Trust me. You'll thank me for it. All right? You don't, I want the machine you're connected to to be a pinball machine and not a machine in the hospital. All right? Don't have like a massive heart attack at 60 because you traveled the world and ate fatty food and did nothing but played pinball every time you, you, you woke up in the morning. Health before pinball wealth. And you'll have a happy, happy life, people. Have a good weekend. Oh